Good evening, Dr. Daniel Ware here. This is Authentic Biochemistry Studios. This is a lecture from Dr. Dan Guerra. Today is the 28th of January, 2022. We're still on anabolism. And I thought what I would do, because we spoke a lot about NADPH, that we would just go ahead and talk about the biosynthesis of nucleotides specifically. And best way, I think, to get into this is, first of all, to do some naming of what nucleotides are for those of you that don't have a good background in it or that just need to be reminded. And I bet that just about everybody that would listen to this lecture will fall into one of those two categories. First of all, I like to say some biological aspects of nucleotides so that you get interested in why we need to know about their biosynthesis and, of course, their metabolism. They have multiple functions in eukaryotic systems. And let me go through these rather briefly with some examples. Uh, first of all, nucleotides can act as allosteric effector molecules. So for example, in glycolysis, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, is a negative allosteric effector molecule of the enzyme phosphofructokinase 1 basically because it's an end product of the reaction. That is the glycolytic pathway because ATP isn't a direct product of phosphofructokinase 1 because that is what? Fructose 1,6 bisphosphate. But ultimately ATP is generated because of glycolysis. <clears throat> so it is essentially a feedback inhibition, but it's not inhibiting all the reactions, obviously, only one of the important gatekeeping or controlling reactions in glycolysis, and that's PFK1. See, uh, Adenosine monophosphate is a positive effector molecule of the enzyme known as phosphorylase B, which, of course, that particular reaction is an feed-forward reaction so that you make essentially more gl free glucose, okay? Deoxy-ATP is a negative effector of ribonucleotide reductase. Again, you can kind of understand that because it is one of the major products of that reaction. Why deoxy-ATP is singled out as the only one of the nucleotides, you have basically, uh, four possible nucleotides, at least in DNA synthesis that you could be talking about here. And why is it only deoxy-ATP? It's because deoxy-ATP is regulated itself by the relative concentrations of the other deoxy-nucleotide uh, triphosphates. And when I get into it, you'll see what I mean. So you can funnel all the regulatory activity into one molecule as long as you regulate all the possible upstream events that lead to the synthesis of that molecule. Yeah, I'm sure you can see what I mean. Okay. So allosteric effectors, that's one thing nucleotides do. Another thing they are involved in is energy metabolism. <clears throat> Straight out, ATP is used for muscle contraction, active transport of molecules across membranes. That includes ionic gradients. And of course, directly, ATP is a phosphoryl donor. That would be 
kinase type reactions. <clears throat> Another function of nucleotides is that they are monomeric units of the nucleic acids. So we have NTPs and deoxy-NTPs, those are nucleotide triphosphates, either the ribo or the deoxyribo. And the ribo, of course, are substrates for RNA synthesis, and the deoxyribonucleic acids, that is deoxyribonucleic uh, triphosphates, nucleotide triphosphates, are the precursors for DNA synthesis. I can think of another function, basic just physiological mediation. Adenosine itself is involved in the flow of coronary blood. ADP is involved in platelet aggregation. Both cyclic AMP and cyclic GMP act as secondary messengers. And there's also the signal transduction cascades that are carried out by G protein couple receptors because those are GTP binding proteins. Okay. Another important feature of nucleotides in terms of function is their precursors. So GTP for messenger RNA capping, tetrahydrobiopterin for the hydroxylation of aromatic amino acids. Next, nucleotides function as components of coenzymes. We just talked about this. Coenzyme A is an adenylate, flavin mononucleotide, flavin adenine dinucleotide, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide phosphate. Those are all coenzymes and they all possess nucleotides. Finally, we can talk about nucleotides uh, functioning as activated intermediates. And again, we just went through some of these very recently. There's UDP glucose that is used both for glycoprotein biosynthesis uh, by linking with dolichol pyrophosphate metabolism, but also UDP glucose is the direct precursor to glycogen. And for starch metabolism in plants, for those of you that are plant people, it's ADP glucose, as you probably all know. Then there's CDP, it's cytidine diphosphylcholine. And you know that that is used in one of the biosynthetic pathways for phospholipid metabolism. Acetylcholinethionine is involved in methylation. And you also have a PAPS, which is used in sulfation reactions. So those are more or less some of the major functions of nucleotides. And you can imagine there's a lot of sub sectional analysis in each of those areas. And there's more than those areas too. So what are some of the reactions and pathways requiring one of the very important key intermediates? That's 5-phosphoribosyl-1-pyrophosphate. First of all, the de novo synthesis of purine nucleotides, that's adenosine and, adenosine and guanosine, takes phosphoribosyl pyrophosphate plus glutamine and makes 5-phosphoribosylamine plus glutamate plus PPI, which drives the reaction. Then there's the salvage purine bases, where you take PRPP and hypoxanthine or hypoguanine and resynthesize 
adenosine monophosphate, guanosine monophosphate, and then of course either one of those, and again inorganic um, pyrophosphate (PPI). Another salvage of purine biosynthetic pathway is PRPP plus adenine gives you AMP plus PPI. De novo synthesis pyrimidine nucleotides absolutely requires PRPP. PRPP plus erotic acid will make erotidyl monophosphate and PPI. Then there's the salvage of the pyrimidine bases, of course, PRPP plus uracil will make uridylate monophosphate and PPI. And then all those reactions for NAD synthesis I was talking when I was discussing sirtuins. And I'm sure you remember these, but I'll just remind you. PRPP plus nicotinic acid makes nicotinate mononucleotide plus PPI. Uh, okay, let me think. PRPP plus nicotinamide will make nicotinamide mononucleotide and again plus ppi and then there's at least one more it's prpp plus quinolate will make nicotinate mononucleotide plus ppi okay so some of the major reactions just for phosphorylipase pyrophosphate the reason we're going there is because i'm trying to give you sort of clustered analyses of how we're going to attack this biosynthetic pathway this anabolic system so the enzyme that would be necessary to be discussed now would be the 5-phosphoribacil-1-pyrophosphate synthetase. Now, let's discuss some of the specifics of this enzyme. Ribose, that ribose portion of this uh, product, will be supplied by glucose-6-phosphate, and we just went through this. That's three via the pentose phosphate pathway. Remember, there's also an absolute requirement for inorganic phosphate, and that basically involves translocating inorganic phosphate wherever it has to be in a subcellular uh, domain. And in fact, moving phosphate through membranes itself follows the sigmoidal kinetics, and that tells you something in association with its use in the synthesis of pyrophosphate, uh, PRPP, okay? So inorganic phosphate, as it moves through membranes and then is utilized in nucleotide biosynthesis, will follow a sigmoidal kinetic through the membrane. It doesn't move via simple diffusion or simple antiport system but it works against a very complex set of energy gradients, including ADP and ATP being in an equilibrium flux, but also for the enzyme, 5-phosphoribacil-1 pyrophosphate synthetase, the inorganic phosphate is also following a sigmoidal connect. Whenever you see sigmoidal, you know that means there's allosteric control. The enzyme, the synthetase, is inhibited by a very important enzyme in the glycolytic pathway that generates 2,3-diphosphoglyceric acid. And in fact, there are other compounds which are, uh, are very potent inhibitors, but they tend to be nucleotides. 
But one of the important ones is 2,3-diphosphoglyceric acid, which of course is one of those uh, unusual sidestepping around through glycolysis. Straight up, ADP is a competitive inhibitor to ATP. And 2,3-bisphosphoglycerate is a competitive inhibitor to the ribose 5-phosphate. Okay. All right, so, and that's basically similar to what I just said two, uh, two phrases ahead. Only that was a specific point of view. Now, reactions requiring glutamine for nucleotide synthesis are following. In pyrimidine nucleotide biosynthesis, carbamyl phosphate synthetase 2 needs the amino acid glutamine, as does the CTP synthetase. In pure nucleotide biosynthesis, glutamine is necessary for glutamine PRPP aminotransferase and for the 5' phosphoribosyl formula glycinamide synthetase. And one more, the GMP synthetase. Okay. Now, <clears throat> nucleoside. 5' triphosphates are also regulators of the ribonucleotide reductase activity. So when the substrate for the reductase is CDP, a positive effector molecule is ATP, and the negative effectors are deoxy-ATP, deoxy-GTP, and deoxy-TTP. For the synthesis of deoxy UDP, the substrate UDP then for the ribonucleotide reductase reaction will be positively allosterically affected in the presence of ATP, but it will have strong negative allosteric diminishment of reductase activity if any of the nucleotides Deoxy-ATP, deoxy-GTP, or deoxy-TTP increase in molar concentration. ADP is substrate. Deoxy-GTP will be a positive regulator. And the negative regulator is just the product, deoxy-ATP. Likewise, for GDP, deoxy-TTP, lipidylate triphosphate, will be a major positive effector, but it's deoxy. And the major negative effector will be deoxy-ATP. Notice that for all four of those nucleotide substrates I just mentioned, those four ribonucleotides, CDP, UDP, ADP, and GDP, they're all diphosphorylated, for one thing. And the other thing, they are in all inhibited. They are all inhibited most strongly by deoxy-ATP. See, this is how you can funnel all that reactivity into that one deoxyribonucleotide. That's something I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Now, nitrogenous bases, which are purines and pyrimidines, are molecules that are planar, they are aromatic, and they're heterocyclic. And they are either purines or pyrimidines. And the numbering of bases, when you number the atoms in a base, say a purine or a pyrimidine, in a purine, you're going to be numbering them 
with the nitrogen atom on the far left of the first ring structure. Then you're going to go down that ring to where the number two position is a carbon, number three is another nitrogen, number four is a carbon, which is in a double bond to the fifth carbon, which is then bound to the sixth carbon of that first ring structure. And then the second ring structure comes directly from carbon five, again into a nitrogen atom, and that's nitrogen atom seven. And then that's double bonded to a carbon atom eight, which is singly bonded to the last nitrogen atom, number nine. And that nitrogen is, of course, also bound to the carbon, which is bound as a carbon-carbon double bond between the fourth and fifth in the first ring structure. Then you have the pyrimidine. The pyrimidine is uh, numbered this way. And by the way, there are no priming on the numbers. So if we have, you know, if I say N1 for a purine, it is that nitrogen that is, when you look at the ring structure face on at the planar structure shown to you on a piece of paper, it's the nitrogen to the farthest left and the upper part of the first ring structure, which is double bond to that carbon six. Okay. Now with a pyrimidine, you only have a single ring structure and the nitrogen atom, this number one is at the bottom. Then you move up and to the left double bonded to that as carbon, single bonded to nitrogen, that's three, double bonded to a carbon, that's four. We're closing the ring around the structure now, going clockwise. Carbon four is bound with a single bond to carbon five and five and six are double bonded again together, and then six closes that uh, system by being singly bonded to nitrogen one. Okay. So you see what I mean about being heterocycles. And now you know the numbering. Now, the nucleotide bases themselves, you have the purines, as I've been saying, you have adenine, and you have a guanine, and pyrimidines, you have cytosine, thymine, and uracil. So adenine is always called A, guanine G, cytosine C, thymine T, and uracil U. Okay. And I will go through these structures when I go through the biosynthesis. And I might do that with a video lecture if you, uh, if you ask real nicely. <laughs> All right, now the sugars, those are the nucleotides. The sugars that we're talking about that are going to be used for nucleotide biosynthesis. Remember, that's what we're doing here. We're discussing nucleotide biosynthesis, anabolism. I'm not just giving you structural formula here on an audio lecture, no less. <clears throat> but the other component besides nucleotides, of course, are the sugars. And you know from the oxidative pentose phosphate shunt or the just simply the pentose phosphate pathway. Uh, we made those pentoses, remember those, the ribose and the ribulose and the xylose, all by the decarboxylation of the 6-phosphonoglucanolactone, which was the second intermediate in the pentose phosphate pathway. Remember that? We decarboxylated that lactone and then we, then we synthesize basically ribose 5-phosphate, or excuse me, ribulose 5-phosphate. And then we metabolize that either to ribose 5-phosphate or xylose 5-phosphate, okay? 
That was all from the axial pentosphosphate pathway. So now we're just talking about the pentose. The pentose is always going to be ribose. And the numbering of the sugars is where you get the prime. So if you see somewhere where a carbon atom is being described, it's always going to, if it's on the sugar moiety, which is a ribose, you're going to say one prime, two prime, three prime, four prime, five prime. And these ribose sugars are named like all carbohydrates are in terms of their numbering system. It's all classical. And I will show you those structures and show you how we number them. But I won't belabor it here. So the two sugars specific that we're talking about are D-ribose. It has that kind of electronic configuration, right? And then 2-deoxyribose. And all that means is that it lacks the 2-prime hydroxyl group. as a hydrogen here rather than a hydroxyl group. And remember that the deoxyriboses uh, are the sugars that are found in DNA and deoxy nucleotide triphosphates, which make up DNA, and the D-ribose with the OH group that on that carbon, of that sugar that we just described, it's actually the two prime carbon. Uh, that's an OH group on D-ribose. It's the only difference between D-ribose and two prime deoxyribose. And remember you make those two prime deoxyriboses from D-ribose via the ribonucleotide reductase, but not just on the sugar, where the sugar is bound to the nucleotide, right? As a diphosphorylated form. Okay, now we'll define nucleosides. That results from linking one of the sugars, either the ribose or the deoxyribose, with a purine or pyrimidine ring structure. And that's through the nitrogen atom making a glycosidic linkage. Indeed, purines are bound to the C1 prime carbon of the ribose or the, or the deoxyribose at their N9 atom. And pyrimidines are bound to the C1 carbon, C1 alpha carbon, excuse me, C1 prime carbon of the sugar at their N1 atom. Remember, prime is a sugar, non-prime is on the base. Okay. So you get what's known as an N-glycosidic linkage. That's what it's known as. That's what nucleosides are. It's easy to remember they're called nucleosides because you're adding a sugar to the nuclea, to the, to the base planar structure of the purine or pyrimidine. Right? So it's a nucleoside, see sugar. Uh, now you have to have one more thing, phosphate groups. And it's very simple. You have monodiene triphosphates, AMP, ADP, ATP, right? And the phosphates will be bonded to either the carbon three, carb, uh, excuse me, the, the carbon three prime or the carbon five prime of the ribose. Okay. Uh, so finally, nucleotides then, you have the T in that word, and that T is there to remind you you have a phosphate, right? So adenosine monophosphate, or AMP, will have that phosphate then bound to that sugar, and the sugar bound to the nucleotide via the nitrogen atom, 
of the first ring structure. Okay. So there's that. And then there's two prime deoxythymidine monophosphate. And that, of course, is a deoxyribonucleotide nucleotide. So you get how we name these structures. Okay. And you should really keep track of it. So RNA is a ribonucleic acid, and it is a polymer of ribonucleotides. DNA is a deoxyribonucleic acid, and it is a polymer of deoxyribonucleotides. Both the deoxy and the ribonucleotides contain adenine, guanine, and cytosine, that's AGC, whereas the unique nature of ribonucleotides is that they contain uracil, whilst the deoxyribonucleotides contain thymine. That's how you separate this out. So the monomers for nucleic acid polymers are the nucleotides. Nucleoside triphosphates then, which is a nucleotide, are not, the, are not involved in the polymerization to DNA. They are important as energy carriers, or, or they're the energy currency. Primarily adenosine triphosphate, but also to some extent, guanosine triphosphate. And of course, nucleotides are really important, as we've been saying again and again and again, as co components of coenzymes, such as flavin nucleotide, and nucleotide, and of course, coenzyme A. So nucleosides, purine nucleosides, they end in S-I-N-E. So that would be adenosine, guanosine. Primitive nucleosides end in a dyne. So we would say thymidine or thymidine, cytidine, uridine. Whereas the nucleotides start with the nucleoside name from what I just described to you, and you add a monodiar triphosphate. Therefore, you have adenosine monophosphate or cytidine triphosphate or deoxythymidine diphosphate. Don't you know? So you're starting, I think, now to get the um, nomenclature down. It's important. You need to know your nomenclature. Otherwise, uh, it's very difficult to know with the, when you're reading primary literature what exactly is being said, unless you know this, as long as the people that are writing the paper know their biochemistry. Now, nucleotide metabolism is the next thing we can cover here. Purine ribonucleotides are going to be formed de novo. What I mean by that is purines are not initially synthesized as free bases. First, the purine derivative formed is inosine monophosphate, or IMP. So the purine base in that molecule that starts things off is actually hypoxanthine, an intermediate in the pathway. So we say that AMP and GMP are formed from IMP. And in fact, they are. Okay. Purine nucleotides then get broken down into uric acid, which itself is a purine. And 
this is where the first first real labeling of purine ring components came from. So if you look at uric acid, the nitrogen one atom comes from aspartate amine, the carbon two, these are not prime because they're all on the base, is from the C8, uh, I mean, excuse me, the carbon two and the carbon eight are from formic acid. Nitrogen three and nitrogen nine are from glutamine, the amino acid glutamine. Carbon four, carbon five, and nitrogen seven are all built right in from the amino acid glycine that gets consumed. And the bicarbonate ion is what gives up carbon six in uric acid. And of course, because it's in uric acid and that's a purine degradation product, all purines, same and similar type. So let me check my time here. Yeah, I think we're going to stop here. Um, next time, we're going to start going through the biosynthetic pathways, the purines and pyrimidines. I may decide to do this on video. It's kind of fun because you see all the different intermediates. Um, but I do want you to understand this last, I think this will be the last anabolic lecture we're going to do. Now, I'll do one more where I'll put an anabolism into medicine. I don't know which particular diseases we'll talk about, but we have many that we can. So we'll figure something out that'll be stimulating. So probably a video lecture next for nucleotide anabolism to show you all the structures. This is a Friday evening at 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. And this is Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry Studios on the 28th of January, 2022. Saying a very nice and kind bye for now.